Well, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be here this morning and to be able to share something that's very dear to my heart. It's a message that God has um, really birthed in me this last year since I've been in Cyprus. And I want to share it with you because I feel that it needs to be given freely to those who are willing to receive it. It's a message that burns with passion deep within my heart. And I can't hold it in, but I need to release it. Because I feel that there are so many people in the body of Christ today that, that need to grasp a hold of this message and run with it. The title of my message is Intimacy is Our Destiny. So if you just please bow your heads, I'd like to open with prayer. Lord, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for bringing us all here to this place of worship. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open, Lord, to receive everything that you have for us. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, would come straight from your heart. Lord, I don't want to say anything out of my own ambition, Lord, but I want it to be inspired by you, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And fill us anew today. Reveal yourself to us in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you want to fulfill your God-given destiny? I show of hands. All right. Looks like about 90%, maybe. Let's do that again. How many of you want to fulfill your God-given destiny? Amen. I know. I'm right there with you. I want everything that God has for me and more. And I want everything that God has for you and more. I want to see each and every one of you rise above the experiences that you've had in your life, the trials that you're going through right now. I want to see you rise above that and be the men and women of God that he has called you to be. Amen. All right. Well, in order for us to fulfill all that God has called us to do, we must first and foremost seek to know Him with all of our hearts. And this is the greatest commandment that's talked about in Matthew 22, verse 34. You don't have to turn there right now. Here, the Pharisees are questioning Jesus. And they say, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. We as a church, not just here at Generations, but globally, the churches that I've been in throughout the world, um, I see the Lord is wanting to beckon us to a deeper place of intimacy. I feel that, that we have lost sight of the true priority that should be Jesus Christ. We've allowed things to encumber our view, our, our perception of what our Christian walk should be like. We've allowed husbands and wives and children, boyfriends, girlfriends, school, finances, work, hobbies, to take first place. And in all reality, we have been putting... God's before our one true God. 
I know I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that, and I'm convicted every day. You know, who am I going to put first in my, in my day today? Is it going to be my job? Is it going to be my friends? So I just want to challenge you today to really search your heart and allow the Lord to reveal to you things that you may have been putting first besides Him. Blessing comes from obedience. Blessing comes from obedience. And it's time for us to begin obeying the first and greatest commandment. To love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. Our bridegroom desires to have an intimate relationship with us. Webster's definition of intimate is belonging to or characterizing one's deepest nature, marked by a very close association or contact, marked by a warm friendship developing through long association, suggesting formal, informal warmth of privacy of a personal or private nature. So here we're, I'm looking at this definition, and I'm like, wow. To be intimate means to belong to or characterize one's deepest nature. For me to be intimate with Christ means that I not only belong to him, but I begin to characterize the very nature of who he is. I desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I desire to have the heart that he has for people. And I'll tell you one thing. These past nine months, I've been so blessed to be able to travel to 12 different nations. And the prayer and cry of my heart was, Lord, break my heart with the things that break your heart. And you know what? He began to answer that prayer. And I didn't like it. <laughs> Watch out for dangerous prayers. But it opened my eyes to a whole other realm of beginning to see the world the way he sees it. And truly having a burden for the lost. So out of that place of intimacy, the Lord will begin to reveal things in his heart that will become desires in your heart. God designed marriage to be a relationship of intimacy. And we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, God has formed Eve and has taken a rib out of Adam's side and has put it inside of Eve. And here Adam wakes up and he's like, wow, what a hottie. No, but he, he looks at her and he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. 
This relationship between a husband and wife is a reflection of the type of relationship Jesus Christ wants to have with the church. We're his bride. No one desires an eternal engagement. No one desires an eternal engagement. And what I mean by that is that here we have God the Father. And he is his beloved son, Jesus. And Jesus is, is waiting. He's waiting for the bride to rise up. To fulfill all that God has called her to fulfill. And God is still preparing us for his son. And he's like, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. She's not ready yet. But once we grasp a hold of this place, this intimate place, we will be even more prepared for when the day comes when our bridegroom will come to get us. Jeremiah 29, 11. If you just turn there in your Bibles with me. says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the key to that scripture. I think so many times like you know, we graduate from high school and someone gives you a plaque with that scripture and you're like, cool, yeah, God's got great plans for me. Yeah, cool, awesome. And But then we don't read the, the, the rest of that verse. There's a catch to it. Yeah, he's got plans to prosper us. He's got plans to give us future and hope. But we're just not going to sit and wait for these good things to happen in our lives because they won't. It takes action on our part. It takes seeking the Lord, and finding Him when we seek after Him with all of our heart, not just some, but all. Here the Lord has made us a promise that He has plans to bless us so that we may thrive and flourish in His kingdom. Plans that are not meant to hurt, injure, damage, or impair us, but plans that will give us a desire accompanied by confident expectation and success. But he goes on to say in verse 12, when we cry out to him and approach him through prayer and worship, he will listen and pay attention to us. And in verse 13, like I just said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The word seek here is the Hebrew word bakash, which means to search out, to strive after, to ask, beg, beseech, desire through worship and prayer with every part of your heart, not just some, but the utmost possible. Everything that is within you. This is not something to be taken lightly when the Lord is telling me, you will seek me and you will find me, but you must seek me with all your heart. 
God is serious about us seeking after Him with all that we are so that we can know Him and make Him known, which is the very purpose of our existence. Seeking to know God intimately will lead you into your destiny. King David was a man after God's own heart. Even though David wasn't perfect, he made mistakes, we all know. We all make mistakes. I'm not perfect, and I'm sure we have some perfection in here. Uh, But you know, we're all human. But God is so faithful even when we're not. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But the life of David, we look in the Psalms, and even in the midst of the hell that he was going through at times, he was still constantly pursuing the Lord, constantly running after him with all of his heart. Intimacy is one word that totally sums up David's relationship with the Lord. Into me see, Lord. Into me see. Look into me, God. Every hidden part, every part that's not pretty, parts that are broken, parts that have been neglected, abused, look into me and see me for who I am. And the Lord looks at us and he's like, my son, my daughter, I see you the way I created you. I see you the way you're originally designed. I look past all of that stuff. And when we become intimate with the Lord, we begin to see ourselves the way he sees us. when you begin to cultivate an intimate relationship with the Lord, the things that are on His heart become the things that are on your heart. We need to be men and women after God's own heart. David, a little shepherd boy, was an outcast from his family. But he worshipped the Lord even when he was shepherding the sheep. Throwing those stones out in the fields. No one around. And he would be singing to the Lord. Poetry coming from his lips. As the beautiful incense of his pure worship rose to the Lord. The Lord heard David's cry. He knew his heart. And out of David's intimate relationship, he fulfilled his destiny. He was anointed king over Israel. And he's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like, what you do, what you don't do. You are all eligible to fulfill all that God has called you to do. But you must seek to know the Lord intimately in order for him to lead you and guide you into your destiny. Turn to Psalm 27. Verse 4.
this scripture summarizes and encapsulates the greatest desire of King David. He says, one thing I have desired, one thing, just one thing, Lord. When I see something like this in the Bible, I pay attention. One thing. One thing I have desired, that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. That's all David wanted. He just wanted to be in his presence all the time. He wanted to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And David is known after man, uh, as a man after God's own heart. And I think so many times... We do desire this. We do desire to be in God's presence. But we're too busy. You know, we have other things pulling us this way, pulling us that way. That we, we lose sight of that desire. And I truly believe that God is winning us, is challenging us today to get back to the basics. And to begin to rest in His presence again. To gaze upon his beauty. In verse 8 of chapter 27, David is saying, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. I love that. My heart said to you, not my mind, not my mouth, my heart. The, the heart is the very core of who you are. You can't live without a heart. The heart is the life force. It's what pumps all the blood to your body, to your brain. And so many times, our minds... Get in the way of our heart. I know mine does. And I, I don't know why David said it this way, but what I get from this scripture is that David's mind can't comprehend gazing at the face of God. He can't comprehend the magnitude of what that would be like. But his heart is like, you know what? The mind's out of the way, and I'm going for it. My heart says to you, Lord, your face I will seek. And our human intellect and reasoning can rob us of truly entering into an intimate relationship with God. And therefore, we live our lives without ever knowing the true joy of fulfilling our God-given destiny. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life like that. I want to know the true joy that comes from being in the middle of God's will and doing what He's called me to do. There are countless others in, in the Word of God who lived a life of seeking to know the Lord intimately and ultimately fulfilled their destiny. One of my favorite characters, and he's not talked about a lot in the Bible, his name's Enoch. Enoch was a cool guy. Because Enoch pleased God. 
and he was translated into heaven. He didn't even die. God was like, you know what? I love you so much, and you bring me so much pleasure. I'm just going to take you. Just come up here to heaven. You won't see death. How awesome would that be? To be one who pleases the Lord so much that he doesn't even want you to, to finish out your time here. He doesn't even want you to die. One minute you're here, and the next minute you're gone. And in Hebrews 11, chapter 5, chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here we come back. You see a trend here. The Lord is calling us, seek me and you will find me. Seek me with all your heart. If you diligently seek me, you bring pleasure to my heart. And I will reward you. Abraham was another man who pleased God. And in James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. To be a friend of God, to take him at his word, to live a life wholly devoted, wholly devoted to him and totally focused on, on him, and seeking after him. And Abraham left his land. He left his family. To pursue what God had for him. Some other examples of people who had intimate relationships with the Lord. And fulfilled incredible destinies are Queen Esther. What a woman. She was blessed and highly favored, bold and courageous. She saved the Jewish nation. Mary of Bethany, an extravagant worshiper, someone who didn't care what other people thought, and out of her reckless abandonment and worship, she anointed the very King of Kings for his death. For the entire world. And her story is preached throughout the nations. And the beautiful aroma of her worship is smelt across the world. Wow, these are incredible people. And then Daniel. Daniel is known as a man greatly beloved. In Daniel 11, chapter, 30, chapter 11, verse 32... It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. You can't know someone if you don't seek them. I can't, I can't know you if I don't walk up to you and say, hi, my name's Summer. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? 
Good, good. I'd like to get to know you some. I'd love to get to know Why you. Why don't we spend some time together? Okay. Okay. Cool. That'd be great. Right. Awesome. Today. All right. <laughs> Not in Easter's because I had that last week. No, but, you know, you just can't sit across the room. You see a guy or a girl talking to the young people right now. And you're like, oh, wow, he's really cute. Or, wow, she's hot. I'd like to get to know her. But I'm going to sit here. Okay, you can't say you know that person because you're sitting on your, on your bum. All right? It takes action on your part. Seeking is an action verb. And Daniel sought the Lord. He was ripped out of his kingdom in Israel and thrown into a very evil kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And he continually sought the Lord, praying three times a day, sticking to his, his diet, not bowing down before idols, not compromising his beliefs, but standing up for what he believed. And being an intimate lover of Jesus. And out of that, the Lord not only promoted him, but brought him into kingship. And he changed nations and kingdoms. Just another example of someone that God used because they were actively seeking after him. And he said, you know what? I know I can entrust you with great things. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I want you to turn to John chapter 15, verse 4. Here Jesus is talking. And he's giving one of his analogy parables. And he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. The word abide here is the Greek word meno, 
which means to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To continue to dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, or tarry. Abiding in the Lord means to just rest in Him, to dwell in His presence, to pursue Him with everything that you are. When we rest, dwell, remain, and soak in his presence, intimacy is birthed in our hearts and we can begin to commune with him as he reveals the secrets of his heart. When we abide in him and he in us, then his desires become our desires and his will is ultimately made complete in our lives. Therefore, you can't not fulfill your God-given destiny. Because when his desires become your desires, then you're going to ask him, oh Lord, I really want to do this. And he put that desire in your heart. He's going to do it. You're going to do it. Because if you think about a bank account, you have different transactions. You have deposits and you have withdrawals. And I look at it like this. When I begin to abide in the Lord, there are withdrawals taking place. There are things that he's taking out of my account that don't need to be there. But oh my goodness, is he depositing so much more into me. So when the time comes and I see this desire in my heart and I'm like, Lord, I want to do this. He's like, all right, I have the reserve in here. The account is full. I can run with endurance and fulfill all he has called me to do. Because I got the money. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Spiritually, you are empowered. And so you don't have to worry. The scripture is not, oh, God, give me a Corvette. Okay, let's get real. He may want you to have a Corvette. But some, you know, people are like, oh, ask anything in his name and he'll give it to you. We can't abuse the word of God. We must obey it, obey it, abide in him, allow him to withdraw and deposit. And then when our eyes are open to see, wow, where did this desire come from? And we, we speak it and we, we ask the Lord, then he's going to bless it. He's going to see that desire brought forth in our lives. In John 15, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. So, I want to have a fruitful life. Therefore, I want to abide in the Lord. 
We can't do things in our own strength. We'll get burned out. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You may get some things accomplished, but there's not a true joy. You may be thinking right now, well, Summer, I love God, and I desire to know Him more intimately. I want to fulfill all He's called me to do. But I don't know where to begin. Or you may feel like you're unworthy. That you don't deserve to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. You may be afraid. You may be scared to be intimate. Maybe that word intimacy just creeps you out. Because of past hurts. Experiences. Abuse in your past. But I'm here to tell you today that the Lord is a gentleman. And He will go as far as you let Him. He meets us where we're at. There is no pit too low. No grave too deep. That He can't reach down and pull you up. Dust you off. Hold you. Kiss your face. Sometimes we have no words. We have no words because the hurt is so deep. And you know what? That's okay. Because the Lord knows. He's seen everything. Things that people don't even know about. He's seen. And He wants to make you whole. He wants to heal you and restore you. He wants to be intimate with you so you can fulfill all He has called you to do. He uses broken people. I stand before you a broken woman. I know what pain feels like, what brokenness feels like. I've experienced it in my own life. But I want you to know that God is faithful to restore He is faithful to heal. And I am stronger now than I was a year ago. And like I said, this message burns with passion inside of me. And I can't hold it in. Because it needs to be given. And I pray that you've received what God has wanted you to receive thus far. Remember that He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And when you call upon Him and come and pray to Him, He will listen to you. When you seek Him, you will find Him when you seek Him with all your heart. In closing, I want to read an article that my mom gave me last week. It's it's really good. It's from the uh, Spread the Fire magazine. And Carol Arnott, 
I don't know if any of you are familiar with the uh, Toronto renewal that that went on a couple years ago. Her and her husband pastor a church, pastor that church. And there's an article here that I want to share with you because I think it, it will help you take a step into having a more intimate relationship with the Lord. And it's really, there's no mathematic formula. It's not hard. It's real easy. But we just have to make time, basically. We have to make time to soak in His presence. Maybe you're asking, what do you mean by soaking? Why do I need it? How do I do it? Soaking is positioning yourself before God to experience His love for you and to give your love to Him. While it involves listening to the still small voice, it is more than that. It means allowing yourself enough time to be immersed in the tangible presence of God. It is really the fulfillment of the first commandment, which Jesus said is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. There must be time in your life just to love Him and to let Him love you. With no agendas, no shopping list. God is love and wants us to be lovers of Him first before we even try to love others. Psalms 45.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. But from early childhood, most of us have been taught to accomplish more to finish the task, to be constantly on duty. I have sadly noticed this in meetings. When God's presence comes strongly, people cannot seem to remain and rest in His presence. They receive prayer, and with five to ten minutes, they're out the door. They have missed the point, which is learning to personally experience His love. God wants more than a five-minute fling with us. It takes time and a conscious effort to prioritize what God sees as our deepest human need, the need to experience His intimate, unconditional love. In previous revivals, our forerunners in the church refer to this time as soaking or tearing. They learn to spend entire meetings just waiting in His presence. So some practical things. You may want to write these down. First of all, turn off your cell phone. <laughs> let, let the voicemail pick up. Put your home phone on silent. Get quiet before the Lord. Put on a worship CD. This helps one to focus on God's love. Get comfortable on the floor with a pillow under your head or sit in your favorite chair. It doesn't matter what your posture is. Just as long as you're in a, a place where you can be comfortable and allow yourself to rest in the presence of the Lord. You 
You may be thinking, well, how often do I need to soak? We need to develop a habit of spending time with him every day. I know most of you, you're lucky if you get, you know, 30 minutes with your spouse every day or twice a week. You know, and you're like, how am I going to spend time with God when I can't even spend time with my husband or my own wife or my kids? It takes a conscious effort. And it's a decision that you make. You know what? I'm going to make time for him. It will usually take at least a week of daily soaking to begin learning to bring, to bring your soul to a place of stillness and rest. Maybe you're thinking, but I read my Bible every day and pray. Why do you think it's important to soak? The Bible is a book of law, history, prophecy, poetry, and teaching. Everything in God's written word comes out of the experiences its leading characters had with God. Soaking or experiencing his presence opens up the heart and soul to divine romance. It allows the Lord to love you and you to love him. Much like a couple in love find that their love and intimacy deepen as they spend more and more time with each other. As with any relationship, spending time together is one of the most valuable things you can do. This is one missing piece of the Christian experience that God has come to restore in this move of the Holy Spirit. This is, wanting, this is what he's wanting to restore in this day, this hour that we're in right now. Five benefits of soaking. Five benefits of soaking. Number one, he will flood you with his unconditional love. He will flood you with his unconditional love. Number two, he will cover you with his healing. He will cover you with his healing. He may go back and heal a deep wound from the past as you're laying before him, just resting in his presence. Number three, sometimes he will flood you with abundant joy. Sometimes he will flood you with abundant joy. Number four, he will empower you for the ministry he has for you. He will empower you for the ministry he has for you. And number five, your whole life will change when you take time to realize that the Lord loves you. Your whole life will change. Once you realize how much the Lord desires to woo you and is enamored with you, and that He really likes you, loving Him will just flow freely. Is He not wonderful? Here's one testimonial uh, from, a, from a lady that... During her time of soaking, the Lord began to give her a vision. 
And some of you may have experienced this in, in worship. The Lord may have given you a picture uh, or even in your personal time at home. But I truly believe that the Lord is going to pour out His Spirit even more. And it says in Joel chapter 2, I will pour out My Spirit in the last days. You know, He's giving us dreams and visions. There may be something that He's wanting to show you right now, but you're too busy to even see it. So she says, Before I started soaking, I never had a vision or heard the voice of God on a regular basis. However, since I have learned to soak, the Lord has shown me things visually just recently. I was telling him, she's telling the Lord in prayer, about how I missed my dad and that I really needed a dad. A couple of days after telling him, I was lying on the floor soaking and received this healing vision. In the vision, I was dancing with Jesus. As we were twirling very fast, I was wondering where we were. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught a glimpse of a very shiny floor thinking that we really needed to be careful not to slip and fall. I suddenly realized that we were dancing on the sea of glass in heaven. The vision widened and I saw a massive throne in the distance with smoke and fire coming from under it. A figure stood up from the throne and began walking toward us. About a week before this vision, I had been reading in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 through 14, about the Ancient of Days. It says that his garment was white as snow and his hair was like pure wool. Because Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I pictured the Father just like Jesus on earth. When I saw the passage in Daniel, I was astonished to realize the Father looks like the glorified Jesus of Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. In my vision, as the, fig, as the figure came closer to us, I saw that he had white hair. He approached us and said to Jesus, excuse me. May I cut in? Only dad that really, really loves me. He not only loves me, but he knows and cares about the smallest needs in my heart. So I'd like to, the, to ask the worship team to come back up to the stage. Right now, we're going to put into practice what we've heard. If there are some of you who who would like to have prayer in this area of wanting to be more intimate with the Lord. We'll have a time of uh, ministry at the front. But I don't want you to run up here too fast because sometimes the Lord likes to just minister, minister to you individually. So during this time, I want you to just find a, a comfortable posture if you want to go to the back, you want to come up here and kneel, you want to lay on the floor, if you just want to stay in your seat, the Lord wants to take you to a deeper place today. 
This isn't something that's just for today, but it's for a lifetime. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing right now in this hour. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. And Lord, right now, we open our hearts up to you. Lord, in our hearts say, your face, Lord, we will seek. Lord, we want to see your beauty. Lord, we want to be intimate with you. God, we desire all that you have for us. Take us to that secret place, that place that only you and I can go. Lord, take us away. Take us to the place of healing, the place of restoration, the place of unconditional love, of abundant joy. Take us to that place, Lord. Lord, and I pray that you would seal the work, Lord, that you are doing right now, the words that have been spoken. Lord, may they resonate in our ears for the coming days. Lord, may we be lovers of you for a lifetime. And Lord, when people look at us, let them see you. We want to be so intimate with you that we begin to take on your very character. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.